4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. I'm going to ask a really stupid question because I don't think there's any way you watched. Okay. Although it was an event that involved a Michigan player was there any chance you carved out any time to watch the stream of the Heisman no, ceremony? No. And I, I was at a – so I was at a UFC, and it's an ESPN event, and there was a lot of ESPN, like, PR folks and things like that around trying to rally support for, like, hey – I mean, not, like, trying to get you – but, you know, they're like, hey, as you're sitting here, the Heisman ceremony's on. You should watch that. Like, no, I shouldn't. Uh, it's a sham, just like the selection committee – it's all obnoxious. I talked to multiple voters last week, and some of the stuff that I heard drove me so absolutely insanely mad that I couldn't possibly watch it. Like? Uh, one of them, when I was saying, well, clearly Hutchinson was a better player this year than Young. Clearly he was a more impactful player than Young. And I say this, this is this is every year. Again, if you want to say it's about Michigan, it's not. I say almost every year, an offensive tackle, almost always the best player in the entire college football landscape, or a defensive end, an edge rusher, somebody like that is almost always the best player. Um, and the response was, I agree, but I'll be looked at as being silly if I don't vote for Bryce Young like everybody else is doing. And I said, you need to lose your vote today. That's the most <laughs> insane thing I've ever heard. So you think that this other person should have won the Heisman Trophy, but because everybody else is doing it, like we're four years old now, jumping off a bridge, like okay, everybody else is doing, it, I'm going to do it now. That's the the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Was this a fun moment as Aiden Hutchinson is standing up there and he's in a discussion with Desmond Howard, or wrong place, wrong time? You know, the, the main mission was to come back, was to beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten championship. And, uh, Woo! Woo! Hey, hey, Kenny, I, I'm glad you're in between them. That's <laughs> yeah. good. And, you know, Please stay there. Better than his offensive lineman. Oh. oh. oh Just okay. throw him under the bus. Oh, and, you know, we, we did those things, so now we're in the playoffs, so we got a chance. I thought Hutchinson said the thing about the offensive line, but it was actually Desmond Howard. Yeah. It's good. Solid. It's true. He – was living in the backfield in that game. Yeah. And by the way, let's not forget that the week before, and again, I, it, not this year, it's, a, it's every year, it's completely obnoxious, but let's not forget the week before, Bryce Young could not move the ball at all against a bad team. C.J. Stroud was not smiling when they were busting his chops, which I kind of love. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people out there are like, whoa, 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 it's kind of a weird moment. Yeah, how about let's have fun? And if there's a little bit of trash talk, then there's trash talk. Yeah. The Heisman ceremony is just so jumped the shark. The, just the, the whole show is just jumped the shark. It's just stiff. Well, especially when we have group think every year, too, where you always, always know who's going to win. Well, that's ruined it. Yeah. It's, it's, and, it's, and it's 98, like you just said, 98% of the time it's going to be a quarterback. Yeah. Who's the quarterback on the top team? That's the winner. It's, just, it's very silly. Well, that quarterback question is a good one because there's a lot of teams that are going to have new quarterbacks next year. And there's a lot of established squads that will not have a real experience backup because it's here, baby, and I love it, <laughs> right? All these schools, like Ohio State, listen, you're doing what you're supposed to do, 
when you recruit a quarterback in every single class, but kids aren't, I'm not, I don't want to be mean and call them stupid. I've never understood why like the kid Quinn Ewers with, now he didn't, we didn't know that CJ Stroud was going to develop into, you know, an Uber guy who can't lose his job, but there was a good chance of it. Cause he's also a five-star. I don't understand why kids go to schools that already have someone established. So now what's happening is guys who lose their jobs or handwriting's on the wall or someone's behind them or they get recruited over. They're like, I'm just going to find a better spot. And we are seeing a QB free agent market in college football. Like we've never seen before. I think it's freaking awesome. Uh, great job by South Carolina. Spencer Rattler. That's a nice pickup. Sure. Michael Penix from Indiana. He was hurt all last year, right? When he's healthy, he's a good quarterback. Indiana, Washington. Mm. How about that journey? Wow. They, lo- they lose out on, uh, uh, on uh, Jake Hayner. On uh, Jake Hayner. Yeah, Hayner and, and, and he was never committed to Washington, but everyone thought he was going to follow uh, Kalen DeBoer. But, but uh, Hayner decides to go back to Fresno. But you've got this market. By the way, yours is committed to Texas. And, and I, I, I want to talk about him in particular because I, I do think all the things you're talking about make sense, except for, like, this is where you are kind of seeing the new landscape of yours. Like, why would yours go to Ohio State when they already have superstars in place there? Right. He got an NIL deal that was tied to playing at Ohio State. Like, do you think it's going to drop going to Texas though? That that was one it direct, was it directly tied to Ohio State? That one it wasn't, was. It wasn't a national. Firm? And he left early yeah. to start picking up the money wow. to he, go to Ohio he, State. You might want to loop in Ryan Day on that one and find out like, eh, exactly, you know, is a kid going to play in the first year or is CJ Stroud so good that he's going to have the job for two or three years? And apparently that's what happened with him transferring because he went to you know him or his intermediaries went to Ohio State's coaching staff and said hey, we need a guarantee that we're going to play this many games because of my NIL deal that says I have to start this many games. No. And no, no, <laughs> go. And so that, like those are things, while I don't think that's the case in all these different scenarios, yeah. like those are things that are going to be part of the college football world going forward, which I know is a, it was one of the reasons a lot of people were scared of this, but it's an open market. Yeah, quarterbacks uh, out there, Keaton Slovis, Dylan Gabriel, Bo Nix, Adrian Martinez, Max Johnson, son of... Brad Johnson, also LSU guy, Miles Brennan, Zach Calzada, Texas A&M went in <laughs> yesterday, so it's it's pretty crazy. It'll be interesting. Won't JT Daniels probably go in? I, I, I mean, know. we don't know what's going to happen these next two games or next he game be starting. or two. He, of course he should be starting. Yeah. It's crazy. And we'll see. I I mean, I guess find the find the power of five that has an opening, but I also think a lot of these guys should be looking at high-level group of fives to make sure that they have a better chance of starting because it is no guarantee once you go in that trench portal, you go somewhere else, you're going to keep your job. Hell, look at what happened with with Utah and Charlie Brewer. That, you know, he lost his job, like, whatever, two games into the season, and he's, you know, he's back in the portal, so there's no guarantee <laughs> your next stop. It's just for all kids, assess the situation you're walking into if you want to play I'm not saying you you know you look for a situation that's completely crappy, but you got to make sure you have a good chance of getting the job. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Carr has time. Got a first down. Moreau juggles it, and it's picked off. By the Chiefs. The Chiefs on the interception by a honey badger himself. Tyron Matthew has the ball down at the Raiders 38-yard line. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. 
It's Cofield and Company. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Are you really capturing the mood of the Raider season right now? <laughs> Crank it up. And you won't just be gone. Do it. And so this is Christmas. I was hoping my 10-win prediction for the Raiders was going to be a nice Christmas gift. That's going to be tough. Got to go 4-0 down the stretch here. Uh, it is a jubilant time in Vegas. Uh, most of the town is super thrilled that the Super Bowl is coming here. We wanted to talk some Raiders, NFL overall. Also, the big Thursday night game involving uh, the top teams in the division, the Chargers and the Chiefs, and Andrew Kramer jumps on with us here. It's nice enough to give us a couple minutes. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Yeah, we're so-so. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest <laughs> yeah, have with you. Ever, have uh, you recovered so- from the Mack truck that hit the team on, on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was not good. I mean, neither one of us is a Raiders fan, but it's much more fun. I think it's much more fun to cover a, a winning team than than one that is struggling. Others will disagree with that. Others in the market kind of like that they're they're struggling a bit. Uh, watching from uh, you know your perspective, what have you seen here the last you know four or five weeks with the Raiders that has led to them just completely falling apart? Well, look, I mean, last game. Literally from pregame on, it was pretty ignominious, right? I mean, you, you 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 can't you can't start off a game where you're trying to chastise your opponent like that. So that that certainly wasn't a good thing. Um, you, you know, you, you you do these games as long as I have guys, and you start to realize that all the things that sound cliche that coaches say completely have merit, and it starts with turnovers, yeah. and uh, that's where pretty much it started and ended last week, certainly against the Chiefs from the first play of the game with Josh Jacobs' fumble. But, you know, look, it has been such a, I, I don't need to tell you or your listeners, just such a, uh, I don't even know what the adjective is. I mean, difficult is probably kind. You know, the season there that sort of started off with so much promise. But um, really, it's, it's every, it, it feels like every, every of the three phases have all sort of collapsed uh, for the Raiders, uh, you know, a couple of, of really strong individual performances and, and, you know, give credit to Derek Carr and certainly Max Crosby and, you know, various individuals, but not, not playing with all three phases as a team. And you, you had a chance to do the feature on Real Sports and interview Mark Davis, and we talked to you right before that was coming out. And just this, right. you know, this whole year for Mark Davis, it's just, it's just been one blow after another from, you know, the Henry Ruggs tragedy is just horrendous and then he's got two guys who basically do most of the work for him are his right hand men in Bedane who goes bye bye before the season and then Gruden's gone you know halfway through October he must be just looking around like what the heck just happened yeah I mean look it's 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 just it's been a completely unprecedented season in 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 that respect uh and and again as you know first season with the fans back so much promise so much excitement and uh and, and listen, do, do I certainly, and I, I've said this before, do I certainly think that the team was wronged that this came out in the middle of the season as opposed to in June when uh, if the league had the information and, and could have reached out and if there were going to be changes made, there could have been changes made, accommodations made, things of that nature. I mean, just to talk about the, the you know, things being pulled from out from underneath you and then I mean, the rug situation is so tragic. It's you. You can't even just look at that in terms of of, of football, right? I, I. I mean, my God, you know, people's lives destroyed there, and um, and it's just. I think that this is. I mean, certainly, look. Uh, 
give credit to Rich Bisaccia for trying his best to hold things together, Mike Mayak, things like that. But, you know, this is going to be by far not even close the biggest challenge that Mark Davis has had to where does this organization go forward? Uh, you mentioned at the top, obviously, the great news about the Super Bowl coming to Las Vegas, and, and that's, that's really terrific, upbeat news. But in terms of the franchise, when things were looking so positive at the onset of the season, and now this is the biggest crisis that Mark Davis has to weather, and, and yeah, a lot of the guys that, that he really relied on, particularly Mark Bedane, uh, not there for guidance and counsel. Your Davis feature was out like around September 22nd, five weeks later, you know, Gruden is out. I mean, the comments across right. the board, he basically covered everyone from a, a diversity or anti-diversity standpoint as a female who was probably, you know, dealt with a lot of this. What did you think of his comments about, you know, just female referees and just, I don't know, the, the just the Gruden attitude. And I think there's a lot of people around the NFL who were just like, hey, this is our sport and we're not open to anyone else. Like, what is going on? Look, um, there's... The things that Gruden wrote in the email are indefensible. It's just that simple. I, I mean, there's there's no way that, and I, I've been I was asked quite a, a bit. You know, was I surprised? I wasn't necessarily surprised. Sadly, that he had those thoughts. I found it particularly disturbing that he would be so bold as to write them in an email uh, to, to to you know to give uh, credence to it in, in that respect. Uh, you know, give it life in that way. Uh, which is a separate issue from do I think that he was singled out and he was wronged by having this release? I mean, there's 650,000 emails. Do we truly believe, guys? I mean, seriously, do we really believe that the only incendiary things that were in those emails are from John Gruden? No. Uh, so, look, when, when a Brent Musburger talks about it being, you know, a, a, a hatchet job, I don't know that I necessarily disagree with Brent. On the other hand, you know, you can't have that. I think... Mark, Mark Davis's comments when he first came out um, very much against the league and thinking that the league leaked it, which to, I, have, I have not heard anything that would give credence to that. I think what just disappointed me about Mark's initial reaction was, yes, you can feel that way, but you need to condemn the comments. And, and I, I didn't hear or see that from him. And I found that particularly troubling. I mean, you've got to come out and say, this is anathema. This is everything that we don't believe in, that my father never believed in. Uh, this is against everything. But John was wrong by them coming out. But you can't defend the comments. So it was, boy, it, it, it's so multi-layered and multifaceted and just a really, really difficult situation. And again, I think that this is by far the biggest challenge that Mark is going to face in his ownership. And, um, when just when things were looking so bright and so positive, and now he's really going to have to uh, make some hard decisions to move the franchise forward. Coming up Thursday, you got the Prime Video stream, uh, Andrew Kramer and Hannah Storm on the call of the game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. I want to get to that in a couple minutes. So let, let's kind of flip things around here in a season that has been, you know, had so many ups and downs, lots of downs. Tomorrow, the Raiders actually get to announce, and they're going to make a big deal of it over at. Allegiant Stadium, they get to announce that Las Vegas is getting the Super Bowl. And I just, I wonder what your perspective on this is and just how amazing it is. Because for those of us on the ground here in Vegas who have been here, you know, for much of our lives, in my case, you know, about half my life since the mid 90s, like the, it's mine, Andrea, I'm telling you, it's mind boggling. Like we always felt like we're the enemy of the league and now we're getting a freaking Super Bowl. Yeah, but look, come on now. I, I, I mean, every new stadium has gotten a Super Bowl. <laughs> So it couldn't yeah. have been that much of a surprise for you. It's not a surprise. Uh, you know, all the, it's not a surprise. All the it's new stadiums, back. all the it's new league stadiums. The I mean, 
Obviously, yeah. SoFi has it this year, and it is really the proverbial, if you build it, the Super Bowl will come. So it was just a matter of when, not if, it was going to be in Las Vegas. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is really great about the Super Bowl when it's in New Orleans, for example, is it's so ambulatory. You can walk everywhere. It's so easy to get in and around the activities, and as, as opposed to certainly what we're going to have in, in Los Angeles this year, which is obviously a lot different what we've had in Miami. Um, but I think you're going to find that in Vegas, too. It's just going to be so easy to get around. There'll be so many. I mean, it, 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 it really, is there a city built more to host an event of that magnitude than Las Vegas? You've got every imaginable hotel and so much in walking distance, and it's, it's going to be great. I think it's really, really going to be great for, uh, for the city. I see no downside with it at all. Um, the stadium is terrific, um, and I, obviously, as you alluded to with the real sports piece, I got to spend a fair amount of time there in, in this offseason and, and during the first game, and it's going to, yeah, I think there, there should be a, a tr- you know, you guys should be walking on, uh, on, on air because it's, it's great for the city, and I think that, uh, that Las Vegas will put on a terrific, terrific Super Bowl. Or we got the Pro Bowl first. That's what we're really excited yeah, about. Yeah, I was going to say, you got the Pro Bowl sort of like the, the dress rehearsal, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm still also and very draft, thrown off. And the draft, too, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm still very still uh, thrown off by ignominious. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to incorporate that in my daily uh, daily speaking patterns from now on, I think. There um, you go. Vexing we did talk about- well. You know, things – come on, guys. Yes. Very, very <laughs> impressive. Uh Kansas City and the Chargers are playing this week, and uh, you're going to get a uh, up close look at that. Is Kansas City's offense good? Hmm. Is it good right now? Was it good in the beginning of the season? Is it good relative to what it's been the past couple of years? Because I think that that's that's really the question. You know, we're speaking to Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid today, and you know, part of the quote unquote problem is they've set the bar so high. Right? I mean, you come out, you throw 50 touchdown passes in your first full year, you know, as a starter. You, you make it to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, league MVP. I mean, my gosh, you know, it's, um, that, that's a pretty high bar to be set. Now, all of a sudden, uh, after the masterful game plan that Todd Bowles put together in the Super Bowl for the Buccaneers, I think every defense has taken a page out of that, and it's made it very frustrating, plus capitalizing on the fact that, you know, Patrick Mahomes has the ability in every way to make those absolutely spectacular splash plays down the field, and he has to learn, and he is learning that, you know what, if you take the little check down and it's not a 40-yard gain, that's okay too, because keep the chains moving. It's sort of, um, here's another word for you guys, it's sort of anathema to the style that they've been playing all these years. It's just very, very different. So is their offense back? Uh, I would argue that the six-game winning streak is um, ignited more by the defense than Patrick Mahomes. Like, look, he put up his best passer rating of the season last week. Sorry to remind you that. But two weeks ago, it was the worst passer rating. So, you know, we need to see consistency, certainly from Mahomes, and Andy Reid sticking with the running game and Mahomes just exercising and learning a little bit more patience than he's used to. But, boy, I love the way the defense is playing. I mean, Chris Jones's loss is, is going to be a big one. Uh, obviously, the Chargers are going to be without their star rookie tackle. 
uh, Rashawn Slater, but uh, you know, it's it's. I, I just love the way that the Chiefs' defense has been playing. There's another weird one that I think well, you know, 99% of people would have one answer, but uh, who is the scarier quarterback in this game to defend? Yeah, you know what? This is why I'm so excited about calling the game on Thursday because, you know, I I grew up with Marino and Elway and Montana and and of course Brady versus Manning. I covered so many of those games, and you know, even though of course, duh, the quarterbacks don't play against each other, they're measured against each other, right? And now you're looking at two quarterbacks, 23 years old, 26 years old, who are absolutely and and look. David, uh, Derek Carr is going to be in the conversation also, being in the same division. But the, this is going to be this matchup that we're going to watch for a long, long time. And um, for me, because I'm always about winning and winning championships, when Justin Herbert has a Super Bowl ring, mm-hmm. then we'll put him in the same pantheon and conversation as Patrick Mahomes. But right now whereas you could argue that Justin Herbert may be playing better right now, Mahomes is still, as I mentioned, league MVP, Super Bowl MVP, you know, youngest Super Bowl champion ever. So let, let's, let's not coronate, as, as, as my good friend, the great Hall of Famer Bill Parcells said, let's put away the anointing oil. <laughs> let's let Herbert win something. And he's, you know, but is, is he... Is he absolutely fun and magnificent to watch with that arm? I mean, my God, that 59-yarder to Guyton last week was just yeah. a thing of beauty, right? And um, I was talking to Dan Fouts today, and uh, he's still marveling at himself. And uh, Dan's been known to throw up a few passes in his Hall of Fame career himself. So, um, yeah, I'm, just, I'm so excited just to watch these two quarterbacks uh, you know, bring their offenses on Thursday night. Prime Video Broadcast, uh, Andrew Kramer's on the call with Hannah Storm. Uh, starts here at 4 o'clock in Vegas as the Chiefs and the Chargers go at it. Last couple questions. Um, I, I actually, I, I, I really think the Herbert story is cool because of what happened on draft day and with draft analysis. And I think Herbert's one of those guys who proves that if football personnel people try to put quarterbacks in a box and they're like, hey, we have to have a certain kind of personality. He's got to be gung-ho. Is he a leader? There are so many teams that freaking missed on Justin Herbert because he's more of a quiet dude off the field and might not have a lot of those traditional qualities of mm-hmm. you know the big personality a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Look, there's this um, to your point exactly. There's this feeling that to be a, a, a star great quarterback, you have to be a bit of a you know what hole, okay? And that is not who Justin <laughs> Herbert is. I mean, when you last year talking to him before our game this rookie year. And, you know, said to him, um, said, uh, you know, what, what, what's kind of been a, a bright spot for you uh, being in the NFL, being a professional athlete? And he says, the fact that I don't have to go to class anymore. <laughs> this is, you know, it just of all the things, I mean, he's just, he is, he, he comes off and the, the aura that he has is just such a nice kid and, uh, you know, if you remember what they did to his hair last year, and they chopped it all off and yep. made him look kind of geeky, and he doesn't care. You know what I mean? He's just—he just wants to learn the game, and just—he's just really kind of a delightful guy to cover, in in that respect. But yeah, you can't all those intangibles. Um, you know, look, it's—it's it's better than just falling in love with a guy's arm, as we saw with a Ryan Leaf, for example, and you overlook all the other stuff. But in this mm-hmm. case, I think that. 
because he certainly didn't show the arm talent at Oregon that he has in the pros. So you have to project a little bit there. And then, yes, his personality may have been off-putting to some teams, certainly not for Tom Telesco and the Chargers. But, uh, you know, what a great pick. And, uh, and the, the other thing that I give the kid a lot of credit for is he's, he's working in an entirely new offense this year. You know, Joe Lombardi comes over from, from the Saints, first-time offensive coordinator. So he's learning something completely new. And um, give him a ton of credit for, for that as well. But, uh, boy, is he just – he's just – fun and, and wonderful to watch and the big plays and the ability to move and you know we don't we don't see a lot of six foot six quarterbacks we think of like the mark mcguire's uh, uh excuse me the dan mcguire's who you know the the tall quarterbacks who have never really really made it uh, that strongly in the nfl but boy uh he manages to use his size as such an asset justin herbert Andrea, what's coming up on the year ender real sports well First of all, it was great for us all to be together since it hadn't happened for, gosh, almost two years, really, oh, wow. right? And uh, yeah. it's always a great opportunity to look back on some of the top stories. Um, uh, spoiler alert, Mark Davis is represented as one of the most interesting people that we met over the course of the year. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's certainly a, uh, a, a, a good thing to uh, revisit parts of that story. But just great to have all the correspondence back and and talking about a lot of the stories that were particularly meaningful uh, in terms of uh, issues, investigations. Um, you know, I did another story looking at the sexual harassment of female sports reporters. You don't think I know anything Ooh. about that, right? Uh, right? So that was an interesting story to, to investigate and to cover, and, and we highlight that one as well. But, uh, yeah, a week from, week from today, as a matter of fact, the year-end, uh, year-end show on uh, HBO Real Sports. Awesome spot. We appreciate the time. Have a good holiday, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thank you so much for thinking about me and to Ari for uh, tracking me down and having me on. And to you, to all your listeners, uh, stay healthy and have a wonderful holiday. Thanks, Andrew. Don't thank Ari for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Remember who makes you look good. It's always the producer. <laughs> exactly. Fair, fair. Exactly. Yes. Andrew Kramer, HBO Real Sports. She's on the call of the uh, Prime Video broadcast of Thursday Night Football. Do you hate the Herbert stuff? No, no. I I did have this argument with somebody yesterday. I mean, I think he was the best quarterback from last year. That's pretty. That's pretty clear at this point. Um, but I, somebody else, somebody asked me the question directly, just like you said. So many teams missed on Herbert. I know so who. Well, teams could trade up too. Sure, but the Giants weren't going to trade that. They wanted to protect Daniel Jones, and they weren't going to take him. Even though I think the Giants should have taken him. Yeah. Uh, they weren't going to take him. the The Dolphins were really the team that picked Tua over Herbert. Burrow was up there at one. I mean, I, I how many teams behind could have gotten aggressive to try to get into the Dolphins' five hole? The, I don't think the Dolphins were going to. They were. They were going to take a quarterback. Okay. And, and I don't. And I some? don't believe if you're going to tell me why not trade like five first. I don't think Herbert's worth that. Well, I don't. I didn't say five first. Well, what, what was it going to take to get the to, Dolphins out of the? I don't know. Now I got, let me look up. What was the? Uh, what are we looking at? 2019 NFL draft. 2020. That's a good point. He's second year. Yeah. It was Burrow, and then Chase Young went too, which Chase Young was the best player in the NFL among rookies last year. Um, the Redskins probably should have taken a quarterback, but they weren't going to. The Giants took Andrew Thomas. There's no way they wouldn't have traded out of that spot when there was no – I mean, at, clearly they didn't They didn't know who to take at offensive tackle, and I yeah. don't think there was a you know a clear-cut guy. Someone could have traded up to four. Well, the Giants should have taken a quarterback. And the, the Jaguars are at nine. Them. The freaking 
Jets were at eleven. The Raiders. I know it would have been bold, but yeah. there was there's there's been there was talk the entire time Gruden was here about looking at quarterbacks. They but they were also, I mean, they were looking for, you know, Russell Wilson or Tom Brady. I don't think they were looking to rebuild. Niners at fourteen. Yeah. Broncos at fifteen. Yeah. I, at that point, you're starting to you know for the Giants to go all the way down. You're gonna have to get a lot, but sure. That's what I mean by, and I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily like the teams that had a chance to get Herbert right there in that spot. I'm just talking about the analysis. I saw so many people who were down on Justin Herbert, and I think a lot of it was from a personality standpoint. Yeah. Which, and- which again, goes back to years and years and years ago. Completely different personality, and probably because, as as, as Andrea put it, uh, you know, the a-hole in uh, Aaron Rodgers turned a lot of people off when he slipped all the way down to whatever it was, 26. Sure, yeah. There's think- always this game with the quarterbacks – and how people judge them and, you know, who can be a leader and who can if they have the personality. Can they be the CEO of the franchise? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. You can sit in the sun and camp. I get my color from a sunray lamp when I'm in Las Vegas. I love the last. We may have found. It took the uh, almost the entire year. We may have found the national food drink day that we all agree on. I assume. I assume. No one has an issue with. National Cocoa Day or National Hot Chocolate Day? Is there any problem here? Well, it's a problem that's only one day. Yeah. It should be every day. It's delicious. I don't think we as a, we as a society drink enough hot chocolate. I don't. I know. I should have brought one today. It's also... Perfect day! It's chilly out. Uh, I got those little K-cups, the, the Keurig, I can make a hot chocolate that way now. Doesn't get any easier than Ooh, that. That does sound. Good. I was just gonna say the the tricky part is like it's the really really good a really good hot chocolate is just amazing. Then you, sometimes you just get the powder and the water. Sometimes it's not the right temperature. It just doesn't mix well. It's still a little clumpy. I will say I could do without the whipped cream and the marshmallows. That's <laughs> the best part. Those mini marshmallows. What else? What else are those things used for? It's too much sweetness. But what? What are the like a mini marshmallow? Is it really only? It's really only for hot chocolate, right? Like, have you ever seen it used in any other way? Like Ari? the real tiny little mini marshmallows. Yeah, He's right. Me? I've got one example though. Crumble cookies, okay. nice sponsor, brought us over some cookies okay. uh, last week, and I want to say that this was a s'mores, like a creation of a s'mores cookie. It was Ooh. chocolate, had icing of some sort, and on top of it had like the freeze dried mini. It was amazing. Mini marshmallows. They were crunchy. Yeah, until like until I got home, and then it was. Then they just became ask, soft. Do, do, does anyone make fresh mini marshmallows? Are they all like because the ones on the packet with the powder? I mean, they're like they're like freaking teeth. Yeah, no, it. it's not great. I mean, they soften up once they get in the hot liquid, where you're not just going to start popping those. <laughs> That's true. You, also, you just mentioned s'mores. Can I? 
God, that that uh that thing I was at last night, there were there's like a machine. There was a concession stand where they were. Oh, I don't it. even know where you're at. What reference? What reference? I said earlier, Enchant. I went to Enchant. Oh, last you went night. to Enchant. Oh, sorry. which by the way, uh, just they just tweeted canceled tonight with uh with all the weather. Sucks if you have a ticket. That sucks. It looks lovely. I saw some pictures from uh, Curtis Terry and his family. I think the family makes the picture though. Sure, but it's a, it's a really it looks great. It's a cool experience. Yeah, it's my kind of thing. Uh, it's not really my kind of. Th- uh, it was cool though. Um. But there was there was like a machine that was making like the guy would put like a graham cracker and then like melt some chocolate and then like press in some marshmallow. I was like, this looks like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Can't you just make s'mores at home? You can, first of all, they're never going to be as good. Nothing. Do you not have like a panini press? Yeah, but this was there was an elaborate. One? I think I do actually. The elaborate. How do you process, not know what you have and you don't have? Because I, I don't use anything. You don't you, you use something. You I use have the like air fryer. no, but once to make a steak. I thought food. you had the waffle maker thing. <laughs> I, I thought you had the egg waffle maker. I do. Thing. That's what I'm saying. I have you like don't use that either. I have like 75 contraptions. Yeah. I'm like I, I think I have those somewhere. I think I have like yeah. four of the mini waffle makers I have, now. I have more in the hoarding garage than I actually do in the kitchen. Yeah, so like I'm a, with you. I got on you for a second there. I'm like, how do you not know what you you know what you have? And I'm like, actually, I don't so know. I'll say this. I definitely have a panini maker thing. Could not possibly locate it right now if you asked me to. Uh, I think I have a Foreman grill still somewhere. I'm also, what you can do? Yeah. Uh, all those things, but they're all over the place. So I, I don't know, wouldn't know where to find them. But the, the process that they were going through to make these s'mores looked incredible, but the line was also very long. You know, you're on to something important here because we do the fat pack, and, you know, guy, we have this whole crew that cooks, right? Ryan McKinnell is out of control. Sure. Uh, Michael Felder, our college football expert. I mean, come on. He's he's baking bread at home. And he's got the pan. He's got the baguette pans. I, I almost like started yelling at him last week. I'm like, you have the baguette pans? Xavier <laughs> Pope's making the the, 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 the vegan stuff. Mc, Mark McMillan's got 19 grills now at two yeah. different houses. Dan Jacobs, Judge Dan, who's on our podcast and comes on as a Denver guy. He's He's got like a $5,000 smoker. And he's got every cooking instrument ever. But, you know, the other day, and I'm not the cook that they are, but the more I'm, the more I'm cooking at home, I'm like, I don't know why it took, like, whatever, I'll say 35 years for this to hit me. But, like, there is a reason you go out. Because people who make stuff at restaurants and stands know what they're doing. I, don't, I have no idea. None. Uh, thank I you. tried to make some chicken and noodle thing the other day, and I'm like, this sucks. And then I ate most of it, and I'm I'm full, and it sucked. Thank you. Yeah, you've been trying <laughs> to make this point, but but the thing is, all those guys can cook, right? But it's still but when they get on us, right? But also, like, why are you why are you cooking home? And like, I stink. It's like I'm getting a little bit better, but it's still not good. Mine is mine is yes, I'm bad. Like I've said before, I will see like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at like a every once in a while at a restaurant. I, I'll tell you right where they have them, Petco. At Petco Park? Wait, oh, okay. I thought you meant no, no, no. The, the, no. The, the, the pet shop. I was like, what? No. The pet supply? I'm like, they're selling peanut for what? Pet, dogs? Petco Park in San Diego has like a, a, a peanut butter and jelly Isn't stand. It amazing. Looks amazing. How much is it, though? I think it's it's only how kids. Could it be, how could it be? If, oh, it's a kid's Only meal. kids are supposed to get Only kids are supposed to get it. You can I think. get kids' meals. It looks delicious. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, I would like, love a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I'm always like, that's too much peanut butter. You just tore the bread apart with the jelly. Like what? Do you, it, it's a disaster. You have to realize so, your limitations, right? So, and I, so I literally can't make anything. So, anything that I get out is going to be better. But also, it's time. Like you just talked about those guys. I, I see our friend Dan Jacobs smoking on like a weekend for like thirty hours. Uh, anyone we know, anyone we know who puts the the smoking stuff up 
on social media. Like they start at 5 a.m. Like I'm not right. I'm not cooking at 5 a.m. I was I was just at uh, when I was covering the Broncos game in Denver. I was at my cousin's house. Her husband got up like he, I heard him waking. I was I was just going to bed at 4:30 in the morning. He was waking up, and I was like, "Oh, you're 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 waking up." He's like, "Oh, just to just to start the smoking." I'm like, "Why is this your life? Who has this time?" Did you eat it? It was good. Did you thank him? Exactly. It was. It was made good. it worth it. You didn't have to do it. Be happy. You don't. You know. You don't have to. Right, but who? A big negative. But what I'm saying is, who has this time? You make the time. I, I suppose so. I would rather I mean, just go to, to a cover, restaurant. You don't have to cover every event in Las Vegas every night, every day. That's your smoking I time. I do. I want to. That's your smoking. You could be smoking. But I'd be ruining it. So why would I do that anyway? So I'm saying it's a combination of both things. It's the time, and it's not going to be good. And I know that. So I'm just going to go buy it somewhere. I. So I keep mentioning that the the concession stands at Enchant. I'm I'm like a I'm an advocate for it. Supposedly, they were grilling grilled cheese. I, blown away. Yeah, it was a very simple process. I was blown away by it. Coming up, we got to get uh, into the aftermath of UFC that was here in town, and Adam Hill will tell us what a real mom is. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Do a giveaway right now. Caller 11, caller 11, caller 11, caller 11. 364-1100-364-1100. You guys in the morning, Press Box, giving out cool prizes. So here we are, Press, uh, Press Box Holiday Hookup on Ice. You win four tickets to Disney on Ice Dream Big. The show is coming to town, Thomas and Mac, January 6th to the 9th. You can get your own tickets at DisneyOnIce.com. And the winner today qualifies for the grand prize, a new 55-inch 4K Smart TV. Winner announced on December 21st. 364-1100. Talk to Ari. It's the Press Box Holiday Hookup on Ice. UFC. Big upset. Biggest in the history of the UFC? Eh, debatable. I was actually looking back at a fight that I was at back in the day. UFC 63 when Jens Pulver was upset by Joe Lozon. Uh, Pulver was only minus 700. Hmm. Uh, this was... As high as what minus eleven hundred? Yeah, on Amanda Nunez, uh, Pena basically what beat her down, and that's why the the stoppage was so quick because it really did look like it was a weird choke, and I was like, wow, she tapped to that. Yeah, uh, it was. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of people thought Pena could have a chance if she got on top, and she's one of the best ground and pound fighters uh, in in the women's side of things. So. Um, it was like, okay, if she could get her down, maybe she could wear her down on the ground, maybe work to a submission at some point. Um, so there's an outside shot she could win. What wasn't expected was to take a beating in the first round and then just say, all right, I'm just going to stand and trade right hands in the middle of the cage, and I think my chin is better than hers. That's cool. And that's what she did. And she kind of, I think, wore her out physically. She, uh, Amanda looked exhausted uh, and definitely hurt her. And at some point, Amanda went down, and Pena locked in. I guess we can call it a choke. It really didn't look like it. There was no hooks in. It was just kind of, um, you know, uh, Juliana's getting upset at this. She's saying that was a tight choke. She had no choice. I think it was more Amanda quitting. 
And just saying, you beat her up so badly, she quit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Juliana Pena, after the fight, if you follow Adam Hill on Twitter, says she should be considered the first, quote, mom champ, not Amanda Nunes, because, quote, all respect to her, but I gave birth to my daughter. Says there should be a, quote, baddest mom on the planet belt. Um, I've watched a debate break out to the tune of 367 comments on your thread. I find it fascinating. I will sit on the sidelines and watch and learn. It's it's t- it's tough to weigh in on. So, the full context of the quote, because I was I was tweeting that as I was just kind of listening to her. She said they need to create a new belt for me, and it needs to be the baddest mom on the planet. Not trying to take anything away from Amanda; she's a wonderful mother. But I gave birth to my daughter, and I feel like for giving birth, I'm the first mom champ. Right. So she's talking about the body change. So she is. She that is the what she's saying. Body change. And if I'm correct, did uh, did Nunez and her wife or girlfriend whatever Nina, Nina answer off did they did did answer off carry a child or they adopted it Nina carried the child okay Reagan do you want to keep going with this or do we go to the five o'clock hour it's do you want to really get involved in this no like I because I watch people going back and forth I know. And I'm like I mean there, there are some good arguments there's some it's a good discussion it is and and I think if Juliana Pena would have gone on just said you know I take a very special pride in being the first woman to give birth and then become champion in the UFC. Yeah. Very easy. And she, by the way, did that yesterday. Uh, she went on a different show and she said, this is what I should have said. Right. This is what I meant. And I think that's fine. But when you say, you know, even though you're qualifying it with, Hey, she's a great mom. You say, I gave birth. So I feel like for that, I'm the first mom. Like you don't, the simpler way to go is the way to do it. And, and I get that, it's after a fight. There's emotions, all those other things. I don't think she was planning on saying that at all. Um, so I, I think it's kind of unfair to, to parse words necessarily. Um, but when, you know, when you say this, you know that there's going to be people out there. And I, I think it's, you know, completely wrong to take away from Amanda Nunez being a mom. I know people pointed out that Cyborg also is an adopted mother. Uh, she's a mom also. Um you get what Juliana Payne is saying. Nobody has ever given birth to a child and then gone on and become a champion, and she's proud of that. I've got a lot of respect for Mackenzie Dern. A lot of respect. She's not champion. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.